Hello again to every one of you. I just want to welcome every one of you on behalf of myself and Hannah's there on the other side. Uh, Hi, everyone. Hello, hello, hello to all. Uh, I want to say a very special hello to all the parents that are joining us today on this uh, family enrichment seminar. We're going to be doing a, a very interesting topic. Uh, and uh, hello to all of the to be parents that are going to be are joining us today on today's program. Just want to welcome all of you. Um, earlier on, there was a season in your life when you were probably a, a child. And then a season came, you became a teenager and a young adult. And uh, then you got married. And, uh, and maybe some of you are just preparing to get married. But the most obvious thing after uh, getting married probably is to start a family and to have children. It seems almost normal to get married and then to have a baby right away. Um, but it is at that time it dawns on us when the baby comes that we know so little as to what to do uh, other than to uh, enjoy just seeing the baby grow. Uh, we, we wonder in our hearts, you know, what is, what is the next step? What are we really supposed to do? And, um, but we know so little. And so I guess with the first child, we start to try things out and, and we got a hundred uh, advices coming from every side and the different things we read and the different things we learn from different cultures and different backgrounds and all of that. So, um, but it is at the same time when we begin our family, it's at the same time that uh, our careers get us busy and that steals time away from us in our homes. It also is the same time where a lot of expenses are mounting and you got to be spending on so many new things that you didn't spend when you were single or when you just got married. Our finances run low. Uh, and it's also at the same time our dreams are lofty. And, uh, and a vision is the last thing on our, on our mind. Maybe changing nappies, raising the, the kids, taking them to school, taking them to music classes, uh, running from one thing to another. Some have support, others don't. And so all of that together begins to take our time. Um, and for a few, uh, some who obsessed few, parenting is taken to an altogether new level uh, of wanting to become this perfect parent uh, able to raise these perfect children. And, uh, and when you look at others' children, they look so amazing, almost faultless, if you may. And there's this pressure on you parents to, to become the parents like the others who seem to be raising this most amazing children, faultless. And uh, we've been there. We know what that is. We know what the pressure is. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and at that point, uh, we forget that when we are replete with imperfections and our fears, and yet there is this subtle conviction in our heart that uh, we are perfect in maybe almost all of our ways that for some of us, uh, and yet uh, uh, in the midst of our imperfections, we are not able to see uh, uh, that uh, we, we can do with all the help that uh, God can give us and people around us can give us. So far harder is the thought that we need to once uh, let them also go and grow up and let them go into the world. And so we have this 15 to 20 year window with our children. Um, maybe for some of you, it's 18 uh, to be perfect. Um, and so how do we make the most of this time? How do we make the most of raising our children and bringing them to a place where they can be raised to a time where they can take on the world and come to their full potential? Are there some common goals we can set for our parenting? 
Uh, are there some guidelines in, in the Bible, any biblical guidelines uh, that we can set for goals of parenting to make the most of these 15 or 20 years and raise them up to be fine men and women that fear the Lord and are ready to raise a wonderful family and to serve mankind as a whole, according to the will of God. Yeah, so to learn more about that and to listen more about that, uh, you know, let's uh, over to uh, Pastor Hannah. She uh, is going to share some wonderful thoughts and I'll also share some from my side as we put things together in uh, this whole concept of biblical goals, setting biblical goals in parenting. Okay. That was a great uh, introduction. We'll just dive straight into what we want to look at today. Uh, like, like Pastor John said, um, we need to set uh, goals in anything we do to be successful. And most people don't think about goals in parenting. And uh, it's just something that happens along the way. And uh, we, we it just you know we just go through the motions of every stage of parenting um, unintentionally, and unless we have a goal in mind as to what 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 am I really doing here, and what is the what am I trying to make happen in my parenting, we won't be as effective as we should. Every family is unique. Uh, every family has your own dynamic, your own um, flavor, your own um, your own DNA. So no two families even listening here are the same. Every one of you is so different and your family will be different. Your culture, your dynamic in the home is going to be so different. So these goals are now are broad, are very, very broad guidelines uh, that every family can move towards. We don't, we can't stereotype parenting because we don't, we know every child is different too. No two children are the same, even those born to the same parents. Right? So every child is unique, every child is different, but yet there are some common goals that we can uh, raise our children into. And uh, that is what we want to look at. So remember, this is not stereotyping children to fit into a mold, uh, which, we do, which is not what we want to do. Yeah. So uh, don't compare your child with another child. Uh, we have our unique children and we must learn to celebrate them and to know that God has given them to us for a reason and for a purpose. We get so caught up in the immediate uh, crisis of every stage of parenting that we often miss the big picture. Uh, maybe before the baby comes, we hear, we read up and we have the big picture. I'm going to raise up this, uh, you know, this giant killer or this great uh, uh, person to do wonders for the Lord or, you know, I'm going to make... Uh, this or that out of the child but once the baby comes in and we get into the in the, the daily stuff of just you know the, the changing the nappies or the making of the the food getting the baby to sleep through a night or as they're older just getting them to finish homework is 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 a goal in itself or correcting bad behavior those become the the focus points of different stages of parenting that unless we keep going back to the big picture what am I doing? Uh, what is my goal? What am I moving the child into? We can just get lost with the immediate. So through this session, we really want to give you broad goals. It will help you in every stage uh, of your parenting, right from uh, the baby stage to when they're teenagers. I believe these broad principles will help you uh, 
like like guidelines to know what you want to do so we want uh, so i'm we're just going to divide this into three parts why do we need goals uh, what are the goals that we need and how do we make those goals happen so to start with i want us to look at a scripture psalm 127 uh, a very familiar passage verses 3 to 5 says this the children are a heritage from the lord and offspring are a reward from him like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them they will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court so this is what the lord says our children are he calls them a heritage from the lord the word heritage is uh, is also means your property your inheritance or your your uh, something that you receive that is there is really precious that you receive as a heritage and how do you treat a heritage we have heritage sites right and they're treated with uh, with the utmost care they're so they're really precious and really valuable the a heritage from the lord is must be treated that way and says the children are a heritage from the lord so i want you to think about your children those of you who have them and to remember them or to consider them as oh this is my this is like an inheritance i got from the lord this is god's uh, this is god's blessing for me and no matter what stage they are in whether it's i know some of us may be having challenging stages with our children right now uh, while some of us the baby they're too small and they're little babies that we have not yet uh, you know started uh, having those kind of challenges whichever stage you're in the your children are the lord's heritage they are given to you from the lord and he calls them a reward from him and it says like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth so if there arrows do arrows just happen how many of us have seen found arrows growing on trees they don't right you need to take a piece of wood and you need to have a vision to make an arrow that is going to accomplish a particular target it's going to this arrow is going to hit a target uh, and it needs to be shaped and sharpened and uh, smoothened out in with time with effort uh, with intentionality to make it prepared enough to go and hit that target so if the children are like an arrow that means they need god has given them to you you know like a like a raw piece of wood and he is expecting you to sharpen and shape and mold and smoothen this arrow to reach the purpose that he sent that child for and it says it is the an arrow in the hands of a warrior or a mighty one or mighty man a children born in one's youth so if the children have to be an arrow they have to be in the hands of a mighty man which means we have to grow mighty too parenting i think changes us more more than it changes even the, even our children if we allow god we we really transform to become like god if we allow him to through parenting and we grow to become mightier uh, and only when we become mighty can we shape this arrow to reach its destiny so parenting is a two way thing it is not just me fixing my child 
to become a great, uh, you know, a, a great person in whatever way. But it is me changing as well, where I need to, I need to work on myself. Otherwise, the goals of parenting won't be met. One of the first goals we think in parenting is, is my goal for me as well. It's not just my goal for the children. So children are your inheritance from God. They're given to you to shape and to mold so that they can hit the target that God has sent them for, right? So if God has sent them for a, a goal or a target, then my goal for them must be God's goal as well, right? If I'm aiming them for another target and God has prepared them for another target, then I'm, I'm not helping them meet God's plan for them, yeah? where I need, to, I need to help them to get into God's target, for which I need to know what is, what is God's plan, what is God's purpose for them. We don't, society today makes us stereotype our children and fit them all into one mold. And I believe everyone is unique. Each child has different, our two children are completely different. Uh, there, is, we, there is no way that we can compare both of them. Where one is weak, the other is strong. And we must learn to celebrate each one's strengths and help each one in their weaknesses and tell them that, no, your weakness is not a weakness because you have other strengths that compensate for that. So our goals for them need to be God's goals for them as well. Yeah, are you all with me? Now we can actually choose uh, the family that or the atmosphere in the home. We choose what kind of an atmosphere we create. I know many of us uh, come in from different kinds of parenting backgrounds. You have, uh, your parents may have brought you up in certain ways, uh, but you don't have to replicate that with your own children. Okay, every, every one of us can uh, start afresh in our homes. And we wanna set, maybe your parents had another goal for you in their parenting, maybe they had no goal, uh, but just because they didn't, uh, and maybe you turned out okay, uh, that doesn't mean that you can't have a goal and have your children turn out better, right? So I, I believe that when we intentionally parent our children, uh, will, God will give us the grace, enable us to help them to become all that he, has, uh, he wants them to be. Meanwhile, if you have any questions, you can feel free to put it up in the chat. And we will take a little time at the end of the session uh, just to answer questions if we know the answers. Uh, uh, so feel free to put those up on the chat uh, while, even while the session is, is going on. Uh, okay, so if that is, uh, if we need to have a goal, uh, another scripture that goes in those lines is a favorite one for most parents, Proverbs 22 and verse six says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Yeah. Uh, you, know what, you know what the word train in the Hebrew actually means? Uh, it actually is a word which means dedicate. And four out of five times that this word is used, the meaning was dedicate, where we, like in dedicating at the temple or dedicating something unto the Lord. And it is only in this one time that it is translated train uh, maybe to bring in the correct meaning. So imagine that if, if we put the word dedicate instead of train, dedicate your child in the way he should go so that when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, if we are dedicating a house to something, 
uh, or we dedicate or a building is dedicated for something. It is built that way, it's planned that way, and it is only used that way, right? Uh, we don't, we, we, if, if, it is, if it is built to be a hospital, it can't be used as an airport or it, it can't be used as a railway station, right? Uh, so if you, we are dedicating our children unto the Lord for a purpose, then we need to see them that way, prepare them that way, and train them that way. So that, that verse actually says, dedicate your, your child in the way he should go. It also means narrow, narrow your child into the way that he needs to go, into the path that he needs to go, which means the children have a tendency to wander off that path. And unless we intentionally keep bringing them back to, no, what was my goal in parenting them? What was the goal that I started off? With? What, is, what is my goal supposed to be with them? Is what they're going through in this phase in accordance with that? Then I must do some little things that will narrow them into the path, in back into the track that I, have, I, was, uh, I said for them, right? So train up a child in the way he should go or dedicate the child. Uh, and if you have not uh, dedicated your child to the Lord, the, that's the best thing that we can do for them, where we give them to the Lord to, for God to fulfill his purposes and his plans for them. And to uh, praying over, over that over our children is, brings the hand of God over them. So what are the goals that we should be setting for our children? Uh, like I said before, we set goals, when we set goals for our children, we are actually setting goals for ourselves. Uh, because I cannot set a goal for my child that I am not reaching myself, right? If I have not been able to do that, I cannot set that goal for my child because the child sees, uh, the, you, our lives are transparent before the children. They see, uh, they see everything that we do and they read us very well, even as little children. So when I say we're setting goals for children and parenting, it is setting goals for ourselves first. Yeah, every goal I'm setting for the children is a goal I set for myself. So what are the goals? The most basic goal that we set for the children is to raise up secure and confident children. Children who know that they are loved, that they will be provided for, that they are protected, that they are safe, uh, that their parents love them and value them. This is the, the, one of the most basic goals that we need to have as parents. If your children, child is insecure, is fearful, then that basic goal uh, needs to be worked on because we want to raise up secure, confident children. And we, want, we don't want our children being afraid of, uh, of tomorrow. Or, and, and like I said, if I am not dealing with my fears, I'm going to pass my fears on into my children. So this is a place where I have to test my own security, my own safety, my own confidence comes into test here. So as we grow in security, we transfer that into the children and we raise up children that are secure and confident. This is the, one of the most basic goals. Now, beyond this, we want children that are strong in character and identity, but that where we, teach the child who they are the child is confident that they are a child of god that they are they are accepted and valued and they know who they are and we also begin we teach them to be to be strong in their character we show them a moral compass we teach them what is right and what is wrong we teach them how to discern between good and evil for which 
we have to train ourselves in that too first. We teach them how to relate to one another. Sibling rivalry, uh, I'm sure there's not a home that has not seen it unless you have, there are only one, one child, right? The older and the younger. We teach children how to relate to older people. We teach children how to relate to younger kids. And I think the church family is such a great place for children to learn that. You know, I, I'm so glad our children uh, are forced to learn how to interact with all age groups because church is filled with all kinds of people. So they don't just limit their interaction to, they can't. Uh, they have to learn how to talk to the elderly, how to honor the, the, the gray head and how to take care of the little children. Uh, so they, 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 we, we must raise up children and we must teach them how to relate. And that is seen by in how we relate to others. So again, like I said, we have to up the standards for ourselves. And this... Uh, Everything that we teach them, it we uh, in, especially when it comes to character, like uh, we we must model it, and it we cannot focus on just changing behavior. There's something we keep talking about. Uh, if you know the book uh, "Shepherding a Child's Heart" by Ted Tripp, uh, it's a great book. I encourage you to read that book. Talks about most of parenting is focused on changing a child's behavior when it becomes inconvenient to us. I don't mind a bad behavior as long as it is not bothering me. It is only when it begins to trouble me that I interfere and rebuke the child for that behavior. So we are, most of parenting is focused on just fixing bad behavior, especially when it inconveniences us. And that is not the right way to teach our children how to be strong in character. We must be intentional about uh, shepherding their heart from which all behavior comes. The word of God says that uh, out of the heart proceeds every everything that man does. So whatever behavior is coming out, we need to know there is a source of this behavior in the heart. And it will take effort and time with the child to uh, find out where is this coming from. Even the other day, just uh, two days ago, I had a, had a chat with my son uh, because he was behaving in a uh, you know frustrated way and i sat with him and i tried to help him see where is this coming what where did this start you've been irritable all evening you've been snapping and you throwing tantrums uh, and it boiled down to his frustration of uh, you know these days and not being able to play the way he wants to and do the things that he he's been wanting to do it just built up pent up inside uh, and so there may, there will, there will often be a route to where the behavior is coming from. And uh, it is our job as parents to understand. Uh, it is easy to say, you know, sit quietly, don't do that, uh, behave yourself. While we don't, we, we, it is a, a lot more difficult to go back into the heart of why the child is doing what they're doing, for which we have to know why we do what we do, okay? Which is a, which is a, a whole another session altogether uh, we can do, which we will do uh, another time. So your task as a parent is to shepherd your child on God's behalf and to train your child. Uh, and this training happens whenever you are with the child, right? Every time, uh, every time you're with your child is an opportunity to be training them. 
okay so we build our children is strong in their character and strong in their identity and this happens by shepherding their hearts and not just their behavior another thing we train them for is for their assignment uh you know we need to for this again to seek god about what is this child for you know what have you sent this child to me for and uh, lord what is the assignment that i'm preparing my child for uh, and to be able to train them that way and that takes for you to hear from the lord to know to begin to see what are the strengths of this child what are the weaknesses of this child what do i think god may be preparing this child for uh, i don't want to uh, i don't want to compare this child maybe this child is weak in this strong in something else maybe this is where their assignment is uh, maybe they'll be great as a in compassion minister maybe they'll be great in, in as a, as an artist or as a as as a, you know in the ministry or as a doctor or as a you know whatever we and we focus them into that and we train them for their assignment and finally uh, i think this is a, a you know a great thing because we pass on everything that we train we train them to be a great parent when i train my child i'm actually doing a favor to my grandchild so i i think i should think of my grandchildren uh, or my i i even sometimes think okay my son's wife must not come back to me and say you know you didn't teach him anything uh, or this is is this how you trained him uh, so i need to do my my grandchildren and my uh, my future you know daughter in law and son in law a favor by trying to raise up the best uh, that i them in the best way i can now like i said there is no such thing as a perfect child none of us have perfect children our children are not perfect every one of us is growing we all have uh, children with strengths and with weaknesses and i every time i see children with a weakness i know there are there are a lot of strengths that have not been identified in that child if if there is a child whose weakness seems to be bigger i know that you know there will be strengths that there is there in that child because i know that god has given us a a mix a balance of both of that so training them to parents so just to run through the goals again uh, number 1 we teach them to be secure and confident if you have uh, if you find the child fearful and we've been through that i i know that uh, especially when the little kids are little uh, to make them do things we we usually motivate them by fear because that's the easiest thing they will fall for you know the crow is coming the policeman is coming and they'll take you and they put you in jail or you know uh, sit down put your seat belt the cops will take you so putting fear into them is the easiest way to train them as children and uh, but we don't know how far the, the fear is going to go uh, and some sometimes the fear can just go into deeper into their hearts where they become afraid of everything so i encourage you uh, as parents to not use fear to motivate your children we've done it uh, and i've known that that was wrong and it was you know i i we learned through that and we decided that we will not do that at 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 a particular stage of our parenting and uh, because that is not how god motivates us right god does not threaten us or say oh the devil is going to come and do this to you so you better obey uh, so if that because god wants us to be confident in him and in his power to save us and i think the children it's the same with the children we must motivate them the same way god would motivate us so 
uh, if your children are fearful, you need to see where your areas of fear are. And when I was afraid of crossing the road with the children, uh, I realized I passed that on into the children too. And I, and my daughter used to be afraid of, oh no, what'll happen? She would she would do the same thing I do to her with the little with my son, uh, not just being careful but being fearful. And I realized I passed some of those things on. And then I had to go uh, around that and say, no, we are safe, we are protected, God is with us. We are there is we will not have accidents. We will not have uh, uh, things happen. And we will we will be careful and we will cross you know so uh, i i realized my fears had to be dealt with first and because i was passing that on into the child so we must be secure and our children will be secure then we want to build them up in character and identity we want to teach them right and wrong we want to teach them to be honest we want to teach them not to lie we want to teach them not to use bad language if we use bad language at them our children will most probably start using the same words I tell our children, when they ask me, is this word a bad word uh, or is it a wrong word? I say, do you think, uh, have you heard us use it? Uh, they say, no. I said, well, uh, if, if, it's an, if it's a name calling, they usually know that it is. Uh, it, it shouldn't be said. Uh, I said, so this is what it means. And do you think we would use it? If you think we wouldn't use it, then we suggest you don't use it either. Uh, so then that's, so we need to maintain that standard. Thirdly, train them for their assignment and uh, train them to parent. Yeah. So, you know, it's so beautiful what Hannah's been sharing about these five points. Let me just uh, add on some thoughts to what she's been sharing. Uh, you know, it, when we talk about what are some of the goals that we really want to set for them, um, you know, one of the, well, the first goal that Hannah start, started with secure and confident. And, um, you know, let me share something from my heart. And this is, I really mean it with all my heart. Uh, I know many families have gone through challenges and brokenness and, you know, all kinds of things. But one of the first things I want to say is that to really, really raise a secure and confident uh, child, God has designed a role for both parents. God's designed a role for both the father and God has designed a role for the mother. Um, you know, one of the things I have understood as a father is that I have understood that the children need me as a father and uh, the children need me uh, need my my wife need hannah as a mother and uh, and it's both of us somehow bring about a, a very beautiful uh, complementing in creating uh, a, a secure and a confident environment and uh, a, a, a raising the children to become secure and uh, confident. Now, one of the, and, and, and it's so important. I know that many families have gone through brokenness. Many families have gone through maybe, uh, you know, people have gone through divorce or separation and all those things. Having said that, one of the most heartbreaking things that can happen to children is to not have both the parents, you know, do life together and to uh, be able to, uh, you know, raise the children together. Now, having said that, now let me, let me bring about a very important point about being secure and confident. Some parents are very hard on themselves when they see the child insecure. Now, listen to me carefully. Some parents are hard on themselves when they see a child insecure. Now, I want you to know, Paul, when he was walking in the ministry, he had God for his father, but he, he said, conflicts on the outside, fears within. Paul had fears. Uh, you know, uh, so many of the great men of God, they had fears. They had God for their father and they still had fears. 
and it was the ongoing relationship with god the father that begin to mold them to grow to become a secure and confident person so if you're a parent and you're wondering i see insecurity in my child don't fret don't be afraid when you see lack of confidence in your child don't be afraid it simply tells you that child needs your time your reassurance your love your words your kindness hello you did not you're not given perfect kids you are given kids that are growing neither are you and i perfect parents none of us are perfect parents we are a perfect we are a parent uh, in uh, on a journey and so because of that don't beat yourself up you know i i remember I, i don't know about you all but the pressure is probably greater for me as a pastor and maybe for pastor hana as a pastor and any pastor or leader that is out there listening to me please listen to this point carefully i would feel terrible if ever i saw my children insecure i almost took it like i'm a failure you know i, I would take it like with me as their father my children have fears are insecure how can it even be how can it even be possible and i would feel terrible because you know i think well i'm supposed to be someone who loves god and walk with god and people say hey pastor john dr john uh, you know dr hana pastor hana oh that must be the most amazing house yes we have an amazing house but we have an amazing house with fears and insecurities and challenges and we got regular kids and we have an amazing house with an amazing possibility to raise amazing children to become amazingly secure and amazingly confident so if you got work on your hands just remind yourself there is in one house on the planet not even the house of god that has perfectly secure and confident people if you want to if you if you have any doubt about that with god as father you just look at the house of god and you look at all the insecure not confident and troublesome and difficult children in the house of god and you know god the father has got a handful we are all a work in progress all right so don't kick yourself in the backside because you got you know you're a work in progress don't be too hard in yourself so because your children are work in progress don't be so hard on yourself every time you just see your children insecure or not confident just tell yourself all right they need my time they need me to give them uh, now don't just bombard them and just you know just fall all over them line up boys here's my lecture on security uh, no they just need your they need you to do life with them they need you to talk about you know things and uh, i have talked with my daughter uh, you know i've had to do some some girl talk and i've had to talk with my boy uh, while we are you know uh, trying to figure out is there a snake in the backyard and he's so excited about it and uh, and uh, you know uh, and uh, uh, with my daughter when you know when maybe there's somebody you know in her class that might be really interested in her and uh, whether she looks beautiful and she's growing up and and those are times where i need to step in and uh, just remember they're all work in progress just like we are work in progress right so we create a secure loving environment providing protecting uh, besides meeting all their basic needs uh we can create security and confidence by both parents choosing to love one another i once heard something from someone i'll never forget it as long as i live this has been a theme on my heart really i heard someone say like this the greatest gift you can ever give your children 
is for the father and mother to love one another. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love is long-suffering. Love, you know, is all of that in First Corinthians 13. Love never fails. Um, and where there is faith, it will, you know, it will pass on. Where there's hope. But the greatest of all of this is love. And so the greatest gift you can ever give your children, uh, uh, I think Hannah and I, the greatest thing that we've done for our children is to just love one another. And, and these kids grow up in the midst of that. They like to, they like to see that, that we are safe and secure. And they like to get in between that. And, and they feel safe and secure between that. And uh, yes, Hannah did talk about strong character and identity. There is not a child on the planet. There's not a child on the planet that has perfect character. Not my children, not your children. And, uh, and if there's anybody's children that have been the most amazing ones, uh, I just want you to know liars won't go to heaven. All right. So there's, uh, there's no perfect children on the planet. We are all just going to raise children that are from a fallen world. We come from a fallen world. We're going to build character. We're going to give them moral compass. We're going to have that conversation. Uh, we're going to have to. And there are times, uh, my, you know, my wife and I, we, we sit down and talk with them, like she's been saying. Uh, and, 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 and sometimes uh, my children are excited about that conversation. You know, we take them out for a, a soup and sit down and talk over soup. And we talk about so many things in life. Uh, so many things, so many failures. I don't think there's any family without a failure. I'm a father with, a, uh, you know, that, that is not perfect. My wife is a mother who's not perfect. And we have children that are not perfect. And, and the good thing is we have a perfect father in heaven. Um, and uh, I want you to know, we are working on our character and our identity in loving God. So they will watch that. They will grow. Um, besides that assignment, I, you know, one of the great things, the greatest things you can do for your children uh, is that you walk with God. And when they see you are pursuing an assignment for your life from God, they will want to pursue the assignment from God. Uh, some of you have heard me share the story. One day, my daughter, when she was in the seventh grade, she came to me and she asked, uh, she asked me, she said, Papa, I'm going to the eighth grade now. Uh, and, uh, you know, I want to ask you, should you, do you think I should do computer science or should I take, uh, or should I take uh, uh, economics? And I asked her, why, uh, why you ask me? I mean, choose what you like. I mean, pick up any subject you like. And she said, no, you tell me, should I take computer science or economics? I said, darling, you take a, a subject you like. I mean, I don't want you to do what you like to do. And she said, no, you decide. So I, I was wondering, I said, okay, can I buy you both these books and explain to you what computer science is and what economics is so that you will be able to understand which one you want to take? She thought for a while and she said, no, daddy, why don't you, Papa, why don't you decide and tell me? And I said, why? Well, why do you want me to decide? Then she said, when I grow up and when I want to serve God in, uh, in WICC or in Trotby, which of these subjects is going to help me serve God? Oh, you know, when I heard that, it filled my heart. Because I knew they were picking the burden of assignment from God, God's assignment on their life from by watching their parents serving God with assignment. And you don't have to be full time in the ministry uh, or rather without a secular job to be doing an assignment. Every one of us is full time with a job or without a job. So when they see you every day longing to serve God on assignment, the Bible says, you know, the, the verse Hannah quoted, the, the children are like an arrows in the quiver. Which means they, they, you know, arrows in the quiver are not blunt. They're not crooked. They're not all of that. They are pointed. They are polished. They are sharpened. They're prepared for the day of battle. 
and then they are put into the quiver so that on the day you need that arrow out, you pull that arrow out and you are going to send it to its intended destiny. The arrows of God, the Bible, our children are not our puppets. They are not meant to be, to do our, some of us, you know what we do, some parents, they want their children to fulfill the dream that they could never dream. I could never be a doctor. And so I've always wanted my child to be a doctor. No, it doesn't work that way. That child is our, we are stewards for that child. That child belongs to God, the father. And so our job is to ask God, what is it that you want for my child's life? What is the dream that you have for my child's life? And we have to prepare them by hearing from God, what is God's dream for them? That is preparing an arrow in the quiver. Oh, what a great responsibility. You know, we, we don't dump our dreams on them. Many, many people, let me tell you this. Many people raise their children with fear psychosis. I remember one day, one of my friends, he told his parents, he loved music. And when he told his parents, when I grow up, you know, I want to be a violinist. And uh, his parents told him, yeah, yeah, you go to the bus stand, get on a bus and you play the violin and people will throw coins in front of you. You know, these days, unless you, uh, you know, you have a job and unless you become a, uh, a doctor, you'll have nothing in life. And, you know, what we do is we put fear psychosis in their mind, telling them that only if you have this job and that job, you'll have this money and that money. Hey, guys, many of you have great careers. And here we are, all of us sitting at home and uh, all of us, uh, you know, trying to work from home. And it really doesn't matter what your career is, what is all of that. The question is, parent, you are going to give an account to God. God's going to ask you, did you train them in their life to fulfill their assignment? How's that? How did you, what did you do for them? And, and finally, so important. Even today, we tell her, the fifth point that we were talking, Hannah was talking about, was about training them to be parents training them, our fourth point, training them to be parents. And, uh, and I think it's so important. So often we tell our children, when both these kids are, you know, they have a squabble or they just fight with each other. We tell them, darling, you need to go and, and forgive your brother. And you begin to talk with them. Sort it out, guys. You need to talk about it. And, uh, and, and, and uh, we tell them why. Because the way you treat your brother right now, the way you treat your sister right now, is the way you're going to treat your spouse. When you grow up, you know, some of, some of us, when we've learned to live our own private life without our siblings, and, and when we grow up, we begin to live our own private lives uh, without our siblings. We live to live, some people learn to live secret lives. And when we grow up and get married, and then you have those secret lives. The way you live with your, with your with siblings when you're young is the way you're going to do it when you grow up. So it's so important for them to learn to. So let me tell you a story about, uh, you know, as I, as I close about this question of training them as a parent. You know, when, when both our children were, uh, were a little smaller, uh, one day, of course, they watch us and we, they hear us all the time. Hey, the way you're going to treat your siblings are the way they're going to grow up and, and you're going to treat your spouse. And one day, uh, my wife and I, we were, you know, there was something, uh, something we were, you know, upset about. And here my daughter walks in and she says, Papa, are you upset with mommy about something? And I said, well, you know, and then she asked mommy, mommy, are you upset with Papa about something? And then she says, sort it out because the way you are modeling it for us is the way that we are going to be treating our spouses when we grow up. You know, we have such a huge responsibility. Isn't that so amazing? So these are five key goals in parenting. Raise them to be secure. Raise them with strong four goals. Raise them with strong character. Raise them for an assignment. And raise them that they will be ready 
to lead their own families, that they will not give up. Let me let me share this one thing. I remember telling my dad recently, my dad and mom, they just finished 50 or plus years of the marriage on the 50th assignment. I remember telling my father, I said, Dad, thank you. Thank you for modeling for us how to love one another. Thank you so much. You know, 50 years down the road at their anniversary, that was the greatest thing that touched my heart. I told them, thank you for modeling for us what it means to stay together, not give up on each other, not ask for a divorce, not want to live separate lives, not want to live even though one fails another, the other one, the strong one stands. Two is better than one for they earn a better reward for their labor. And that's these amazing five goals. Okay, so how do we reach uh, these goals? We looked at the why we need the goals and we looked at what the goals need to be. Um, just to close with, so what do I do to, to get these uh, few things happening? Like I said, there is no formula for uh, perfect children. I read a lot of books before the children came and uh, you know tried to follow every formula for a while before I realized that uh, this is not a formula. You cannot, two plus two is not always four. You do this, 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 and you will get this kind of a child uh, is, does not happen. Okay, yeah. Like I said, every child is different. Every parent is different. And these are very broad principles, but uh, these are things that you need to, uh, um, what do I say? You need to customize for your child, uh, depending on where and what your child uh, is like. Now, uh, Number one is to definitely train yourself in like we've been talking in everything that you want them to be. For that is scripture Deuteronomy 11:18, when the Lord gives Moses the commandments, he tells him, you shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house, walk along the road, and when you lie down and when you rise up. If you notice, the Lord says, first impress your words on my words on your heart and your soul. Put them on your hand, on, on your forehead. Let them be your meditation and let them control what you do with your hands. Then you start teaching them to your sons. Mm. Then naturally you will talk about them. When you sit down, when you walk, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So training ourselves is the number one thing. Uh, even recently, as the children grow up, we see more of our behavior patterns in them. I see a lot of uh, not so good things in my behavior that I'm finding my children doing. And every time I'm tempted to do it, I realize, okay, I've, I must change the pattern. I must, they, whatever they see is what they are doing. Uh, so if I want them to change that, I better change myself. So when we, when we impress his words on our heart, only then can we begin to teach it to our children. And then it says you should write, and then you will write it on the doorpost of your house and on your gates so that the days, your days and the days of your sons may be multiplied on the land, which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them. So God is talking three generations here. The land that I swore to your fathers, if you will follow my word, I will make sure that you and your sons will multiply in that land. God is a God of generations. He works generationally. He is 
you know, I, I tell my children, you, you, you guys have favor on you because the blessings of generations is on you. And I, all of our children, if we are walking with God, more than what they, they are just going to accomplish, there is a blessing of the favor of God upon our children, which adds to them and it, it gives them grace to go ahead. So uh, make sure you bless your children often. Okay, you just there is there's a, there's this new song uh, that's come out. If you haven't heard it, it's a great song called "Blessing," where it, it's a basically a, the the ironic blessing uh, on your children for may may the favor of God be on you for a thousand generations on your children and your children's children. So when I sing that song, I just put both my hands on my children and I say, "This favor on you and on a thousand generations, your children, your children's children." Uh, so as we Fill his, his word into our hearts, I believe. He'll give us the wisdom to, uh, to do that, to, for it to happen in our children. Now, again, like I said, uh, have all parents who have walked with God had children who turned out just right. And we know many, many men and women of God whose children have not. You know, our children are a, are a result of what experiences they have and their responses to those experiences. These two factors play a role in where every one of us is. Things have happened to us and we have chosen to respond in a particular way. Now, everyone does not respond the same way. So does, does this mean that this is the outcome? Uh, may not, not always. You know, sometimes children can choose uh, to, to walk away or to say no. Uh, our job is to do everything we can to, to bring, to, to raise them up with those goals. But the final product is in the Lord's hands and it is, it is the children's choices at some point. So the outcome is not, is we, we, we don't decide our parenting by the outcome. Okay. You decide your, you weigh your gauge your parenting by the heart with which you have prayed for them and you have loved them sincerely and you have done everything you have known to bless them and to raise them well. Now, if the however, whatever the outcome is, uh, we cannot we cannot either neither whip ourselves nor pride ourselves on it, you know, because even great great children have have come in out of terrible homes as well. Uh, so it is in the Lord's hands. But our goal as parents is to raise them with with a vision, and I believe as we follow some principles, uh, I be I believe that we we will. And we can trust God to work in our children. Okay, so uh, definitely the first number one thing is to train yourself. Uh, some other things, practical things, is spend intentional time with children of all ages. Uh, don't wait for children to grow up to a particular age before you connect with them. For mothers, it's much easier. For fathers, it usually takes a little more time. But spending time with your child is your number one way of training them. Every time you're with them, you can look for an opportunity to train them, to, to grow them, to love them, to build security and identity into them. Yes, uh, in today's days with so much of you know, gadgets and social media, the temptation is to, to be on these gadgets all the time. That when we're, even, even though we are at home now, right now, 24 seven, most none of us can step out of the, our homes or should be stepping out of our homes unless essential. Uh, we can still be disconnected from one another. 
because we have so we have these gadgets. So I encourage everyone to intentionally spend time, you know, playing games, uh, doing a puzzle or reading a book together. Spending intentional time is a way of training your children, talking to them and listening to them and understanding them. Also learning to discipline them at the right time is extremely important. We cannot, we must not discipline out of anger and out of our frustration, but we must learn to discipline out of love. And I think we'll, we, we may look into that you know, in another session. Be extremely patient, work on your patience as you train your child. It is a long process. It does not, does not happen overnight. Parenting has its ups and downs. Every parent has gone through frustration. And it is every time you have a difficult time, just know it is a time to depend on God for his grace and to for you and the child to change. Praying regularly for your children is, uh, I can't you know, uh, tell you how much that, how important that is. Because at, at so many times in our parenting, though you know, our, our older, older one is 14, only we still have you know, a lot uh, of years to, to see and, and to learn a lot of things. But we have seen that in prayer, God has given us you know, key things or shown us things or made us understand things that were happening with the children. And uh, you know, I think praying regularly for your children is extremely important. Praying with your children and praying for your children. So uh, it is it is a journey. It is a process. Uh, I think there are so many different aspects of it. Hopefully in the, in the months to come, we will look at different aspects, especially on discipline. And when do you discipline? How do you discipline? Uh, you know, some broad principles about that. Uh, we, we will look into it later. But these are, uh, these are just some things, you know, spending time with them. Uh, Correct, shepherding their heart and not just their behavior, uh, being patient with them, understanding their their strengths and their weaknesses. Sometimes you may need to be very patient with one child, uh, while uh, is we, we usually find that we are our expectations are much higher on our older children, and by the time the third or even the fourth come, the expectations are uh, we regret that we were too hard on the first one, so the standards come down. And uh, I was reading a book where the fourth child was saying, I wish you know, one of his greatest regrets was that the parents didn't set enough boundaries for him because they, with the older child, they found out that they had done so much that she was uh, extremely anxious and she would you know, stress about her studies that they let the little one just do whatever he wanted. And he, he lost, he didn't have confidence to, to do things because those boundaries were never put. So we all make our mistakes. Uh, there is no perfect parent okay uh, we um, but we but with the grace of god i think god will give us wisdom at different stages on what we need to do i think uh, when it comes to intentional time uh, you know each child is different and the way they uh, look at the time you know, the, the kind of time that is needed is very different now most parents they take time primarily to teach or lecture, depends on how the child, uh, because there's a lot of pressure. You work all day, you've gone to work at eight o'clock in the morning, you've come back at eight o'clock in the night, and then you need then you need your time, then you need uh, your time with your spouse, and then by the time the children have to do their homework, and they have to have dinner, and they're going to bed, and all of that, and then you get a Saturday off or a Sunday, and then you got church, and you got all of that, and then you need... Uh, 
Yeah, you need, you want to do the things you always want to do. You want to go for your thing, and and you know the the children often are one of the things, especially when they're younger. They're one of the things that we can move for a later date. And suddenly one day you find out that they, we've moved it too far, and uh, there isn't. Uh, they've they've grown up, and now they're in their own. Uh, they're they're in their own world. So uh, when can a parent start spending time with the children, intentional time? I think from the time they're born, uh, they can start uh, in intentional time. They say fathers start connecting with the children around eight months, a lot more. Mothers start connecting right away. Maybe within the first month, mothers get a lot more bonded to the child. But fathers around the eighth month, and you wonder why around the eighth month. They say because around the eighth month, the child starts responding to the father. Uh, you know, starts cooing, starts, and, and you know, when he sees the response, he gets excited. And he says, oh, he's responding back to me. Uh, they say babies know the mother's smell, uh, but the fathers get excited that uh, they're responding back. Right from that age or even before, fathers can engage, fathers can start spending time. Uh, when, they're, when they're younger, uh, you know, you can start playing with them, uh, especially uh, young men. They like to get their hands and feet dirty. They like to get in the mud and they like to do stuff like that. Uh, women and men, I mean, the children are different. You got to interpolate. You got to understand what your child likes. Maybe your daughter likes something different. And I think we need to find time to to uh, to understand how we can spend time differently with uh, you know, with each of them. And uh, and and so that intentional time. I remember there was a time uh, when when my daughter was. Uh, I mean, both of our children gave their lives to Jesus at five. They got filled with the Holy Spirit when they were five. And and as they were growing old, I remember my daughter going. You know, I mean, their kids are at our kids are at meetings all the time. And from age eight, my daughter started saying, "I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized." You know. And then uh, a preacher came, and he one day he after his preaching session, those of you who are not baptized. I want you to come forward and get baptized. And and she lifted her hand. And she was nine years old. She ran forward, and then she came and told me, "See, the preacher said to be baptized." And I told her, "Yes, darling, no problem. Yes, we'll definitely get you baptized. No problem. But we'll just give it a little time." Around the age of twelve. She went to school and she began to see her friends and have questions. And she came back and, and she began to have questions. Papa, what about my friends? Uh, who, who are the people that, that will go to heaven? Who are the ones that will know the Lord? I mean, you know, all of that. And I had to take a good season and just spend time with her. I had to get into apologetics. I had to listen to apologetics myself because she had questions of apologetics. I started listening to Ravi Zacharias just so that I can answer some of her questions. So your parents got to be, your parenting's got to be intentional. You probably need to learn some of those things, hear some of those things, take time. You know, love is spelled T-I-M-E, time. You got to take time. You know, create memories in your home, parents. Create memories. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you play badminton or play little football or, or play some music or sit down, take them, walk with them, go to the park with them, go on a holiday with them. Uh, and, uh, and, but more than anything, more than anything as a family, have family prayer. When I say family prayer, I want you to know that if it's possible, uh, you know, especially uh, the father, mother, and children together, the whole family praying together. I really want the whole family to be praying together. That's so powerful and uh, to, to really be able to pray together. So like we said, don't compare, spend time. Uh, uh, Both those children are different. And you'll find out that some of the challenges you had with one, you didn't have with the other. But some of the strengths you ha have in one, you may not have the other. Both are very different. Celebrate your children because they are divinely designed differently for a different assignment. 
besides that, it is, you know, they also say medical, uh, some medical research says that genetically behavioral patterns from the generation, Bible calls how iniquity can be passed on and how blessings can be passed on. So some behavioral patterns can come from generational iniquity or generational uh, blessings or, you know, they, some of them are just godly because of a godly heritage. Uh, genetically coded in some of them uh, have certain ungodly because of genetic now as parents don't point at each other and say do you see that's uh, that's like you because you know that's like your family or, or that's like your family no 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 you both of your parents had nothing to do with that that genetic passing on it was the iniquity or the blessings of the generations so what if it was like both families are dysfunctional both homes are dysfunctional i remember when Hannah and I got married, we said, no, we're not going to use your family or my family's standard. We're going to not your family's culture or my family's culture. We're going to start with Bible culture. Let us get back to Bible culture. Let's read the word of God. And so we started family prayer together. And, uh, you know, one of the uh, questions that might come to my mind, your mind is, what age should we start family prayer? Uh, and I want you to know, you can start family prayer the moment you become a family husband and wife, you, you, you become a family, that's the time to start family prayer, all right? That's a new family, a new nest. Now, the children are small. You might wonder from what age do you get them become part of that family prayer? And I want you to know, you could do that even from uh, chi uh, you know very, very young age. Our kids started praying in our family prayer from uh, age two and a half. You might wonder, what did they pray? Well, they just prayed. Jesus, uh, better, bless Appa, bless Amma in Jesus' name. Jesus' uh, name. Those, those, they, they started like Jesus' name. And they prayed that for two and a half years till they got saved. And then they started adding new things to it. They heard it. So you can just start, be intentional, pray together, pray regularly for children, bless them, and understand uh, that you can, uh, you know, I believe their life will never be the same again. Set these goals for them. They will grow up to be fine children. And the key is in you growing up to obey everything the Lord has commanded you in the word of God. When the word, word of God commands you to love your husband and love your wife unconditionally, you obey that and God will bless your children. Do you know that your children's blessings are also connected to your obedience? And your disobedience sets in the Bible a process of of, of a hindrance of inheritance and blessing onto your own children's generation. So your obedience to God is going to be a tremendous blessing on your children's generation. And you're choosing to be disobedient, selfish, and live for yourself. And say, you say, I can't forgive my husband. I can't forgive my wife. Um, you know, forgiveness is not a choice. Forgiveness is a commandment. Uh, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a commandment. And, and the children will see that and they will grow up and they will say, we want to forgive as uh, just like uh, you'd like to. Yeah. So uh, it's wonderful. Uh, it's uh, it's wonderful to just uh, you know be able to. Hannah, you want to add on to anything uh, before we take questions? You want to? Is there anything uh, you want to add on? That? We can go into the few questions that we got so far. Yeah, some questions have come in. If some of some others uh, want to share uh, questions, we have limited time ahead. We got about twenty minutes uh, uh, or that we want to take some questions. And if you have some pressing questions on your heart about parenting, uh, about goals in parenting, we are going to continue teaching on parenting on other topics on other days, but specifically about setting goals in parenting uh, based on this topic or things we shared. Please feel free 
to try to ask those questions. Yeah, Hannah, you want to start with take, taking those questions? Go ahead. Okay, we have one question here that says, as we live in an augmented reality of the digital age, how will we minimize the impact of peer influence? Keeping in mind that social media controls most of our time. Um, I think we have talked to our children about peer pressure and the effects of social media. So we have not allowed them to use, uh, to spend too much time. Uh, we've, we have a lot of restrictions now on them using social media. Um, we definitely want to wait till they're old enough uh, and they need to get on social media and they are mature enough to handle it before we allow them to do that. And uh, I think in today's age, that's safe. There will be times they don't understand, they are upset. Uh, why can't I do it when my friends are doing it? Uh, but we tell them, uh, you know, th this, is, uh, this is what we feel is good for you. And more than that, I think, um, you know, if, you're, if we have a good relationship with the children, if we have worked on building a strong relationship with our children, I think our voices will be louder to them than the voices of their peers. Yeah, Hannah, why don't we share some examples of uh, how you have taken time to build that relationship, things we did together as a family. Why don't you go ahead and share some examples of things we... I think we, we have talked to the children a lot about uh, things they're going through when it comes to peer pressure and uh, what their friends are doing. For example, uh, even when it comes to the, the kind of, uh, you know, we have a daughter who's just a teenager now, uh, so clothing and dressing up... Uh, becomes a, a topic of conversation often in the house where suddenly we have very different standards from what others have or her friends have. And uh, we, we try not to just say, this is what we're going to do here. And we try to talk it out with her and try to explain to her uh, why we have or why we believe in this or why we don't think it is safe for her to wear certain things or for uh, for our son to be playing certain video games and i think that the talking out of it and the relationship we have built over the years with in the time we've spent with them the the taking them out and the uh, intentional uh, bonding that we have had in games uh, yeah you know uh, hannah uh, and, and i we have we spent considerable time playing you know board games with them playing chess with them playing badminton with them um, Hannah play you know you know when I'm traveling oftentimes we have we have set aside one day a week one evening a week where we spend that that's the family evening we play we play monopoly we play chess we play badminton now as they're growing up they love to if, if possible they love to go out to eat we take them out for an ice cream or or we, we go to the beach, we do small things together. So engaging that time uh, and doing things that interest them. Listen, this is so important. You want them to come into your world. The only way to do that is for you to go and become part of their world. Where you get into their world. You know, Hannah, tell, maybe tell them some of the things that you've done, uh, you know, learning to get into their world. Yeah, well, uh, he's the sporty one uh, and I'm the bookish one. So at a very young age, uh, I started reading to them. Um, every night we had bedtime stories going. They still love to, uh, to hear stories and for us to read together. We do puzzles. We've started a thousand piece one, my son and I, uh, for this lockdown. Uh, so I think those are times we, we bond and it, it takes, especially, you know, my son was telling us yesterday, I don't like Zoom. 
<laughs> because uh, you you all seem to be on zoom calls all the time so that was an alarm for me and i decided that after uh, you know these this week is over i must take you know a lot of time off and uh, he's like uh, you seem to be on zoom calls all day more more in the lockdown so that's an alarm that's a signal saying i i need time and uh, i think for me it has been more of the reading to them and the playing of the even last night we played battleship and those are times they talk you know uh, those are the times you get little bits of information from them when they come back from school you ask them how was your day it was fine and they you know just go into their stuff then when you're playing the game with them they say no that boy said this and that girl said that and teacher said this to me so then we probe oh, so what did you think what did you feel when they said that oh, i felt upset and then what did you do about that when well, that's that that's your opportunity to talk so i think our influence is definitely more powerful than peer influence if we will use it if we will uh, maximize it and that is only for a window because after once they're 18 uh, well, not that our influence gets any less but then peers will probably have to become more important for them so maximize your time when you have the, the strongest influence on them by by using and finding time we cannot leave everything and sit with them 24/7 uh, but we need to intentionally plan that time out yeah. i also think uh, you know we need to train a child the way they should go when they're young and when they're old they will not depart from it i think one of the strong things we've done in our home is that we have taught that we have discussed the word of god we taken in our family prayer is a fun time we made family prayer fun time we sing songs or we 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 discuss it's not monotonous like okay shall we sing a song now we say now read this portion and then you know we don't finish we talk about those portions we we look at application how does that apply for us today so what about that was why did they do that to them why why did you know so in based on what age they are we discuss the scripture family prayer became fun for that age and we also you know did it regularly so i think it's so important for us to teach a child the way she should go then we also have uh, times where we put the phones away there are times we put uh, uh, we discuss what to watch on tv uh, what to watch on the phone uh, they come and ask us because they they still use our phones both our children our daughter is a teenager just the other day uh, and uh, told uh, me you know can you tell your daughter to uh, get a, you know say, you know since your daughter loves the lord can you tell your daughter to get on insta with my daughter i said i'm so sorry sorry ma'am my my daughter is not on insta uh, she doesn't have a phone and uh, she uses uh, if she has to she has to take our permission and use our phone she of course she does listens to music and all of that stuff but we just refer season now I know some of you have a question our children have grown up they, they cross that early age where we they listen to us listen if you if you went through early years where you weren't saved your children have grown up and uh, they are in a you know teenage years um, and you really don't have such a uh, uh, you know uh, we you know such a, a strong uh, if you really don't have such a strong place of influence uh, on their life anymore I think what we need to do is simply pray for them. Pray for them that uh, they will come to know the Lord, that uh, they will come to walk with God and God will take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. So many parents fail in raising godly children. What is the reason? How can we overcome such problems in parenting? Uh like I said, the uh, the outcome is not always not always because of the reason. They may Every one of us will do things wrong, 
and we cannot really there are parents who've done a lot of things wrong that have had great children also uh, what is the reason i mean uh, i think definitely parent, parents need to be intentional today parenting is not as uh, intentional as uh, maybe in the earlier days the, the same challenges were not there for example when in, when we were growing up television was just coming um, our parents didn't know the effects or the effects of all that the television was putting into our minds so they just you know let us be it was it was a great way to engage the children our generation has learned that there may be things we are doing that we don't know uh, the effects on our children till another generation uh, so i think we at every stage we need to be intentional probably um, i'm not saying that this is the reason i today yeah i i i would not judge any any person's parenting Uh, because i know that every one of us needs the grace of god for it um so why, i don't know why uh, why some you know uh, i won't say parents have failed or why it may seem that way but uh, only the only eternity will tell maybe you know you, you never know when uh, the child will will the seeds that were sown in the heart of the child will finally bear fruit right so let's let's never be too early to say that uh, they have failed um but def- at any stage we can begin to become intentional and like you said if your children have grown up uh, prayer is powerful you can yeah. still we know so many children that have turned around just through prayer uh, yeah i think I- that's that's one of the questions that has come in uh you know that uh, someone writes is asking a question my 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 child is going to turn uh, you know 16 shortly and uh, they just got to know the lord uh, you know and how do we how do we uh, what do we do uh, you know how do we go about it we're not really uh, we're still very imperfect i want you to know you pursue your walk with god your kids will see the change on your life and you that modeling will still influence them number one you focus on your drastic your your radical walk with god you want to change you want to discipline disciple yourself you want to read the word of god i've seen i've so many children share stories of how they saw their parents who used to be like the devil but turned around and got encountered christ and they said we want this god so that is one thing you're modeling secondly what you can do is sincerely pray for your children the best thing you can do for them at that point of course you can share your heart keep setting boundaries don't just let them loose set boundaries as long as you know they're in the home uh, you know you tell them from the word of god and uh, you know and 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 explain to them and show them how to love god and how to walk with god and uh, but pray for them prayer is very powerful i've heard this recently you know there isn't anything as you know if the grandma of the home gets saved the rest of the family doesn't stand a chance you know because that that grandma is really going to break pull everybody into the fold through just her praying she is going to get into get on her knees and nobody stands a chance against a praying grandma so i think that's wonderful just also what hana said there is no perfect a great parents have had some difficult children and some difficult parents have had some great children so let's not go ahead and judge let's just pray for our children let's model it for them teach them pray for them and uh, they will come around commit their ways to the lord don't some of you that have had difficult children don't hurt yourself don't kick yourself in the backside because your children each of them i want you to know they need to walk with god they need to walk their walk with god some of you are saying i taught them everything i knew from childhood about jesus and still why are they not walking with god they need to walk with god allow them to walk with god let them be you know just let them have that space yeah 
Yeah, someone has put in a question. When can we start teaching our children to pray any specific age? Um, I think we need to always we connect our children to God, right? From when they are little babies, uh, we can connect them to God. Even a, uh, you know, a, even a one-year-old knows the, when everyone says pray, you know, and knows how to say amen at the end of the prayer and to say hallelujah and, you know, lift their hands. People, the children are very quick to uh, pick all these outward expressions. Uh, but I think uh, right when they're little children, I, from the age of, I know, as, as long as we could talk to them um, through the Bible stories and through, the, through things about God, telling them stories about what God had done for us and the testimonies of our own lives, you know, to bring in that God connection to them. And it does not always happen the way we think. Um, for our kids, when they started to read, I they had a, a children's Bible and I would tell them, pray for a few minutes, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, like we pray in our family prayer. And as they grew older and we got them a bigger Bible, uh, I would insist, no, you should pray for at least 15 minutes pray for half an hour. Then I realized uh, they're doing it religiously for, to make me happy. And I realized they didn't have the encounter with God that I had. Uh, and then I started praying and I'm still praying that uh, I know both of them have an understanding and love for God, but I'm still praying that they keep having encounters. And a, we discipline them to read the word of God every day. And to even you'll be surprised just this morning, my son asked me, uh, how long should I pray? Should I pray like she prays? Because my daughter shuts the room and has one hour of uh, listening to music and worship and, you know, reading the word and she comes out an hour and a half later. Uh, while my son cannot think of sitting that long. For him, his prayer is two minutes long. Uh, so I said, see, it's like talking to Appa. You know, uh, however long you want to talk, you can talk. It doesn't have to be uh, just the, that little time of the day. You can you can talk whenever you want for how long you want. I didn't want to make it. Uh, you must sit and pray for five or 10 minutes because I realized that's not where he was. But I encouraged them to read the word of God every day. And I think that is as, as soon as they could read from the age of seven, both of them have been reading bits of scripture. Uh, as, as they grow older, we try to increase that. Uh, so how, when can you start teaching your children to pray any specific age? Uh, according to the child, I think the, the, the focus should not be on just them praying as much as uh, try to help them to keep connecting to God uh, by praying with them. I mean, if you start praying with them, you'll find that they can, uh, they will start slowly praying by themselves. Yeah, so I don't think there's a, some children may speak later uh, and accordingly, you may have to, you know, delay it. While some children talk very fast and uh, or understand things faster than other children. So depending on your child, just keep looking for opportunities to connect them to God. Talk about Jesus. Tell them how much God loves them. God loves to listen to them. God loves them to, loves to talk to them. Yeah, we're running out of time. And so we're just going to, a few minutes more, let's just try to do a few questions that are, you know, as soon as possible. Uh, something a little more like a rapid fire, all right? So how can we deal with jealousy issues or siblings face with each other's achievement? You know, jealousy issues or siblings face with each other's achievement is partly because of an environment they're growing up in. Uh, what they hear from school, the teachers tell them, oh, your exam's going to, oh, your life's going to change. In our home, we tell our kids, you both are unique. 
And let me tell you one secret. Affirm them, affirm them, affirm them, affirm them, and affirm them. Nobody has died with an overdose of affirmation. Your kids need your affirmation. Tell them you're, you're the most beautiful, you're the one, you're wonderful. Oh, you got that many marks, uh, you know. And Hannah, why don't you tell them about when, when our kids come back from school and they're, you know, so what they hear from their friends and they're afraid to go home. And uh, yeah. Our son is um, sharper at his studies than our daughter is, but she works very hard. So when she was little itself, her marks weren't great. I went through the shouting at her, yelling at her till the Lord told me, leave her alone. And we decided that whatever marks she brought, we told her is good for us as long as you study. So since then, she's been very diligent. Even the other day when I, she told me she was doing every day's portion. I'm like, why you do every day's portions? Like you told me when I was in second standard, do every day's portion. So I'm like, okay, I told her I have never been able to do it. It was a theory for me, but she took it seriously. And she was, she's been all these years, which I never knew, studying everything that they teach her every day. She works really hard, but finally when the marks come, he often does much better than her. So we, we told her these marks are, they are just an assessment of how you did in that subject. They don't add any value to you. Okay, they are not going to make you more valuable than him or him more valuable than you. This is not a price tag for you. Okay, so you are, we don't assess you. We don't judge you based on this report card. We, whatever we get, we take their report cards and we make them thank the Lord. And I thank God, I said, Lord, whatever is in here, I'm grateful for what they have done. If I know they have worked hard. My son doesn't work as hard and he sometimes I have to tell him you could have done better than this. But I'm still grateful, I'm thankful to the Lord that you've, you've done this uh, and you have this much. And we tell them this is not connected to your identity. It has nothing to do with how valuable or how precious you are. So you guys don't connect it to, to that either because the teachers connected to, they know that the children that get better marks are more, are treated better, right? So their price tag is their marks card. And we don't want that to happen. So I think if we teach our children, my, my daughter, when she gets her report card and she does poorly, her friends start crying and they say, how come you're not sad? Won't your mother shout? She said, no, my mom, I know my mom won't shout because I've studied. So whatever I bring home, I know that even if I fail, I know that I, uh, I won't be shouted at for because I see how she works. So we have not attached um, value to just their marks or their accomplishments. Uh, she's a better at music and he's better at math. So the, we, I think if we don't compare and we teach each one, you know, you're good at this, that's your strength, but she's good at that and that's her strength. You can't do what she's doing. So both of you are different. Both of you are awesome. We love both of you. God has sent both of you a different purpose and that's why he's better at that and you're better at this. So your purpose is different. Your gifts are different. So your marks will be different, but it's okay. So I think if we at home teach them, to be secure with each other. So when he gets better marks, uh, he tells her, I got better marks, but you know, you play the keyboard better than I do. So uh, there's no, there's, uh, we teach them to just celebrate each other. And I think that is, we, we must do a lot of that in today's world because the teachers, uh, you know, in school, that's not what they hear. Yeah. Well, last uh, couple of questions. Uh, one is about rejection. How can we uh, help our children with rejection? I want you to know if you don't reject them and you give them tons of love and words. I call my son when I look at him and I said, hey, my hero. I look at him, I, I look at him, you know, and say, hey, son of God, how are you? I mean, we give them affirmative words. 
I look at my daughter sometimes and say, hey, hello, beautiful. How are you doing? You know, we've, we've learned not, I, I didn't grow up with these things. I didn't grow up knowing these things. We, you know, we just improvised and we decided to just do stuff and learn and, and try to figure out and, and try to grow through the season. And, and we just kept learning. Now, what we knew today, some of you say, oh, I wish I knew this a few years ago. We didn't know this a few years ago. We're just still finding out and learning and then doing all of that. And we're just trying to understand all of that. So if, if your child is, uh, any child struggling with rejection, I want you to know, expose them to the word of God, that, they, that God's love. And secondly, you just become the love of God to them. Tell, give them loads of words from time to time. And don't just do it once and forget it. I made it mandatory on my mind that both my children are going to get tons of words. I give words to my wife and I give words to my children. And my children, you know, sometimes I feel they have an overdose of words uh, because I believe God gives good words to us. Uh, and I think our home should be filled with good words about each other. Uh, you know, in our home, we call it complaint-free, grumble-free zone. Give good words. Tell your children how wonderful your wife, their mother is. Tell, uh, you know, the, the siblings or, or their father is. And tell the siblings how wonderful uh, both of them are. And tell them how there's no comparison between both of them. They're just, they're both are just phenomenal. And, and both can't do what the other can. And both, you know, can do what the other can't. And, and, uh, you know, so just tell them that, give them, you know, in fact, they say, this is a principle, you'd love it. I heard it somewhere, I don't know if it's true. They say, you know, a, a mother dog to the puppy dog, uh, for every one bite of rebuke, a mother dog gives a puppy dog, gives the puppy seven licks. So if you can follow this principle, if you rebuke your child one time, ensure in the rest of the day, you give at least seven affirmations. Tell them how wonderful they are, how loved they are, you know, tell them how how they, they are called by God and, and they're going to be used by God and, and all of that. And you can be an influence. Even if there are unbelievers in your house, uh, someone said, if there are unbelievers in my house who are my, maybe parents or others who are influencing our children, I want you to know what is the solution for that? Time, T-I-M-E. You give them time, create a safe place for them. The kids will believe whoever they feel safe with. And it does not matter who is giving them stories. If they feel safe with someone, they will believe them. So, which means time is the answer. You create time. Give them time to get, uh, feel safe. All right. So, we run out of time. There are some questions coming in about disciplining the children. Now, we'll do another session on discipling children and disciplining children for another day. And so, you can zoom in on that. I want to take one last question here because this is a fun question. And uh, this question that's coming is, how do we deal with children when they open up about their crushes they have? Uh, you know, uh, my wife and I, we have just learned since we talked to them, we have talked to them through the years about anything and everything. Uh, when, you know, our kids also, uh, it's time to have a crush or they have had crushes. They come and tell, you know what, there's this, you know, this person, uh, you know, they have a crush on, you know, we tell them about our crushes and we tell them, oh yeah, yeah, let me tell you what I did when I was, you see, so when they, you know, now some people get paranoid. You had a what? Uh, who? What? You know, don't get paranoid over that. You know, you got to learn to uh, tell them that's normal, that's natural, and that's neutral. You don't have to marry the one you have a crush on. So you don't have to fall in love. You don't have a... What we taught them is that if that someone really cares for somebody, love can wait. This is a principle that we follow in our home. One day someone came, uh, you know, someone, my daughter came home saying, you know, someone told me that they love me. And uh, I said, hey, that's wonderful. That's because you're a beautiful young lady. 
uh, isn't that wonderful that somebody is coming and telling you they love you, uh, that someone loves you? But I said, hey, what do they mean when they say they love you? Uh, so she said, well, I mean they love me, like me or whatever. So we said, no, they, they mean when someone tells you and you're 12 and someone tells you, a 14-year-old tells you that he loves you, he means he needs you. He needs you for because he's attracted to you, or he's he needs you for his pleasure, or his he needs attention from you because you are useful to him. So then we talked about it, and we sat over a meal that night, and we talked about uh, crushes. We talked about uh, you know what it means difference between infatuation and love. We talked about it that day, and then we concluded that night in that conversation. I remember my 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 son was eight or nine at that time. His head was below the dining table, and his ears were above. You know he was. No, he was keenly listening. So they're all listening. It uh, doesn't matter how old they are. Uh, he was eight or 10 or whatever the, at that time. And uh, so we had to tell, I told my daughter, love can wait. And so in this home, we're going by that principle. Love can wait. Uh, love, uh, uh, love can wait till you're mature, till you're grown up, till it's time to make that decision. So have a fun conversation about crush crushes with your children don't make it sound like shame don't make it uh, you know whether it's uh, whether it is things about sex or whether it's things about different challenging circumstances you they go to school they'll hear all kinds of ideologies all kinds of uh, all kinds of different ideologies hearing make it fun to talk about make it let them not be afraid to talk about it yeah the first time i heard her saying things like that i got uh, i got angry or irritated with her i said is this is what you're talking about at this age. And I, I'm sure most of us moms would feel the same. Uh, you know, those are not things that is, you're too young for that. Don't be talking about these things. Just, you know. So I remember her staring wide-eyed at me and I think probably thinking, uh, and that went on for a couple of, because every time she came up with something like this, I would react or erupt. Uh, and then I realized that she's going to realize that I'm not safe to talk about it. And uh, I figured that I need to, come to a place where I can handle anything she tells me. And I realized I had to grow in that. Because if I tell her that Jesus can handle anything, uh, and Jesus is not going to have a fit if you tell him something, I need to re represent that to her. So I changed my reaction. I had to work on my own um, uh, you know, inhibitions about talking about these things. And uh, one day we, we have, we, we, I talked to her about, it came up in some way, uh, her friends are all talking about crushes and boyfriends and uh, so I told her it is normal it is natural but it does not have to be entertained and I think as uh, I think that is something we can teach the children where, uh, where you know the, the crush may be normal but you can distract yourself you can get into other things don't uh, you don't have to indulge in it you don't have to, uh, and I, I told her, I would suggest that if your friends are having discussions like that, that uh, that you can quietly just slip away or get out of that because the more you hear these things, the more you're involved in these things, they will affect your mind. So we, we had the talk, we had a conversation where we, without uh, judgment being put on the child, where we, we have to learn first to listen uh, to what all they're gonna say without erupting. And uh, we're, we're being able to handle what they say, okay, so this is what's happening at school, but this is what is the right thing. These are normal, they're natural, but you can have self-control because, uh, because their friends are all, this is normal, so everybody does it. So you also should be doing everything that they're doing. Uh, so I said, it's normal, it's natural, but we, are, we can exercise. Uh, you don't have to be a, uh, you don't have to, um, in you don't have to you know indulge in it or 
make it part of your you know life or your thinking or your meditation you do have the power uh, so we we took the scripture from you know philippians uh, for whatever is good whatever is lovely whatever is true meditate on these things and we teach them scriptures to help you know my son has uh, i think almost memorized romans 8 uh, when he was going through you know some things that he was trying to deal with uh, my husband said okay we're going to start meditating on scripture and we're going to learn a verse a day yeah so i think that's the other the flip side uh, we must encourage them to talk about it they must not be afraid to come and tell us uh, you know i have a crush on this girl or i have a crush on this guy uh, they must be safe to tell us but we must encourage them in godliness thank you so much uh, so wonderful to uh, have all of you uh, hannah and i uh, it's a privilege to share god's word and as you go from here uh, may the hand of the lord be on you as you're preparing those of you that are parents uh, of young children have a great journey ahead uh, there are pa- parents of children that have grown up and they've left the nest or maybe there are teenagers and getting ready to leave the nest model life for them and pray for them and for those of you that uh, are going to be parents what a great start you guys are having uh, you know something that we just had a privilege to that never had a privilege to hear when we were younger but uh, praise god for every one of you thank you for joining god bless you have a wonderful day and father we just pray a blessing on everyone who heard we bless them we commit them that they will arise in this generation they they will be uh, pursuing the number one goal of trans their own life to become like jesus that that will be a number one goal of their parenting that when their children see them they will hear not only with their words they will also hear from the lives of their parents and be transformed we bless them we give you the glory in jesus mighty name amen